good to see each and every single one of you. Don't y'all worry this evening. I've only got a 30-minute cup of water. I didn't get a 7-minute cup like I normally put up here. I got a 30-minute cup, so try not to be long tonight. You can refill it if you need that. Yeah. Just refill it if you need that, so don't get too, uh, too excited about that either. Uh, take your Bibles, go to Exodus chapter number 13. Exodus chapter number 13. Exodus chapter number 13. It's been a little different this evening, more than likely. Uh, I feel more so we're going to be, we're kind of doing a topical study. But we're more so just going to be doing a study this evening. It's more so just going to be teaching more than it is preaching. But uh, I feel this will be where the Lord would have us to be this evening. Be be just something to kind of look at. Won't, won't be nothing that'll kind of amaze you, really, but just, just something to look at, I guess. Exodus chapter number 13, we'll begin reading in verse number 11. Bible says, and it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites as he sware unto thee and to thy fathers and shall give it thee that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast, the male shall be the Lord's. And every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. And all the firstborn of, of, men, of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. <coughs> and it shall be when, when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this that thou shalt say unto him? By strength, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out from Egypt, from the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of the in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of men and the firstborn of beasts. Therefore, I sacrificed to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males. But all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And it shall be for a token, for a token upon thine hand, and for for front frontlets between thy eyes. For by strength of hand the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. Now, let's kind of lay a little background, if you will. We looked at last time I was up here, last time I preached, we, I think it was last time, but anywho, you'll remember. Last time we talked about Egypt, how the Lord took and he, he took and brought them out of Egypt, out from underneath Pharaoh, how Pharaoh kept them under bondage, how he sought to keep them there to do the works that was there. And God, they, they're, the cries of the children of Israel come up before God. God heard their cries. He sent, he come to Moses in the burning bush, if you'll remember. You remember the bush was not or was not uh, burned up with fire, if you will, but it was consumed with fire. 
And God, Moses took and he turned to the side to see this bush that was burning, that was not burned up, that was, it was burning. He turned to the side and see it. And the Lord took and he spoke to Moses out of this bush concerning the children of Israel, wanting him to go down and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, bring them up to a land flowing with milk and honey, Canaan, if you will, to bring them up out of Egypt into there. You'll remember how they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness after God took and He brought them out of Egypt. He took and He worked all these mighty miracles, if you will, if you remember, in while they was in Egypt to take and bring them out of Egypt to bring them to the land of Canaan. But we remember as He was bringing them out of there, He took, you'll remember all the things that happened. He took and He placed, or the children of Israel was in Goshen, if you will. Goshen is a place where most of everything that happened in Egypt passed over. It passed over the children of Israel in Goshen, if you'll remember. But there was one thing that happened that God did not allow to pass over the children of Israel into Goshen. And that was for the firstborn of all the male child that coming through the matrix, all the firstborn of the children of Israel, of all the people of Egypt that came forth, they was to be slew that night. But here's what God did. God told the children of Israel, told Moses, he spoke to Moses, and told Moses to take and tell the children of Israel to take a lamb according to the number that was in their family, to take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorpost. You can go back and read it if you will. We're just kind of trying to cover ground real quickly to get to kind of where we're at. But he took and told them to take that blood and paint it on the doorpost, if you will. And whenever he seen that blood on that doorpost, he would pass by that house that night and would not smite the firstborn of that house. But we find that all once God passed through that night, and he smote all the firstborn of the beast of the field and of the male child, not female, but male child of the, of the Egyptians. He smote all them. He slew them, if you will. Once he slew them, Pharaoh came and got, he sent for Moses and told Moses to get, get Israel up out of there. He told them to take the cattle, take their beasts, take all of it. Take them and their 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 animals, if you will, and get them up out of Egypt. This evening, I'm kind of interested in that firstborn, if you will. Take a flip with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter number 16. I'm interested in that firstborn child, if you will, this evening. 1 Samuel chapter number 16, verse number 6 says, And it came to pass when they when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord anointed it is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord saith not as man saith. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And Jesse called 
Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Samiah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. Samuel said, Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he is come hither. Now, Jesse took me sent to fetch him. But if you'll remember, this here is the account of David. This is where God takes, let's start from the beginning right there for sake of just background. God takes and he deals with Samuel to take and go out. He tells Samuel to get his horn. Samuel winds up anointing Saul as king. God rejects Saul. You can read it. It's it's clear Bible. Um, I'm not going to read it for sake of time tonight. But God takes and he rejects Saul. Tells Samuel to get take his horn and fill it full of oil and go to Jesse the Bethlehemite and anoint one of his sons. He's got him one of Jesse's sons prepared to be the next king over Israel. God takes and works through Samuel. They, boy, it's a, it's a lot of truth right there. It's a good story to read. I love that story, how God takes and deals with Samuel and uses him in this mighty way to take and anoint David as king and to anoint Saul as king. But God takes and tells Samuel to go and anoint him. Now, we said we was interested this evening in that firstborn. By way of kind of introduction this evening, can I just say, Jesus was the firstborn of God. He was the only begotten son. He was the firstborn. Now, we oftentimes see a, I don't want to say a principle in your Bible, but we oftentimes see in your Bible, uh, God don't always use the firstborn. We're going to kind of look at that here in just a second. God don't always use that firstborn son like you would think that he would, or that I would think that he would. I would think that that firstborn son would be the one that God would take and choose to use all out for your Bible, but it's, it's not so. Just as we see here with the life of David, God takes and tells Je or Samuel to go to Jesse and Bethlehemite to, to, to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king over Israel. So you know what uh, Samuel does and Jesse does? Jesse takes and he starts to pass his sons down before Samuel. He starts from the oldest. He thinks that this is going to be the oldest. And Samuel takes and he's good to look upon that firstborn is of Jesse. He takes he's good to look upon. But God says man don't look as God looks. Man don't look. Man looks on the outward. God looks on the inward image. So Jesse and Samuel, they take, he starts passing all of them down through there. And he don't even bring, Jesse don't even bring his youngest son before Samuel. He leaves him in the field, tending to the sheep, tending to his flock, as we'll see. But 
God or God takes and he he doesn't choose all the eldest down to almost the least of Jesse's son till he gets to David. Samuel says, Is this all your sons? Is this all that you've got? And Jesse says, There's one more, my youngest. And Samuel says, We're not leaving until he passes before me. And God takes and he uses that youngest son. He take he took and told Samuel to anoint David as the next king over Israel. God took and he's going to use that youngest son up to be the next king over Israel. Look with me in Luke chapter number 15 this evening. Luke chapter number 15. Now we all know this parable of the lost sheep, the lost silver, and the lost son. We all know that it is one parable, three parts. Um, but we know it's dealing with lost things here. Uh, Luke chapter number 15. Luke chapter number 15, verse number 11. He said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all there, arose a mighty famine in that land. He began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. No man gave unto him. And he, and when he came to himself, he said, How many hard servants of my fathers have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before thee and no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and Kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now the elder son, now this, pay attention to this part if you don't pay attention to nothing else. And his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is coming, thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that 
that I might take that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath the the devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed him with fatted calf. Killed for him the fatted calf. He said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It is me that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. We all know this story here, but we see that this oldest brother here, he takes and he gets mad, if you will. He takes and he gets mad because this youngest one has taken, he's took the substance that his father has gave him to him. He's taken his half and just ran off. He's took, he's gone, he's wasted his the father's money. He's took just what the father gave him. He took and he wasted it. And this oldest son, he's just taken, he's been faithful. He's been right there with the father. Even once he divided what he had to him, he divided it to him and the oldest one was just there. He was faithful. He stayed in the field. He worked. He was there with the father. Yet the father has taken, he's, he said, get a robe, get a ring, get shoes put on his feet, kill the fatted calf for this young, youngest one that has just run off. Seems to the oldest one that God, or that the father more so, let's say it that way, that the father has taken and blessed the younger one for doing what he has rather than blessing the older one. We see that the oldest one got angry about it. And he's talking to the father about it. He says, Lo, these many years I have served thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted cat. He's angry about this thing. Can I just stop right there for a second and make a statement? Though God taken, he gave his only begotten son, his firstborn, he was never mad about anything that we had done. On Calvary's tree, there was many that mocked him and spit on him. They crucified him. They took him. They whipped him. They beat him beyond recognition. They marred him beyond which anybody, no man would have ever recognized him on Calvary. No man would have. Yet he just sat there and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's been said so many times, and I'll say it again. I believe when he said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do, he was looking up, past, up through the future and seen every single one of us, every single person that will ever live, Till, the t till God tells him to go get his bride, I believe that he was he's he's seen our sins. I believe that he's seen us and said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." You realize you're in here and you're saved this evening, or maybe you're lost and you realize you're in need of a savior, and you just taken for a lost person. Maybe you won't get up and go to an altar. Maybe you just won't get up. And finally give in and accept it. You might as well just been as good as well off as been that one sitting there spitting on you. You might as well just been that one well off that stabbing him in the side. You might as well have been that one. For the safe person, 
every time that you willingly sin, you might as well have been that one sitting there spitting on them, that's sitting there beating them, that's whipping them, that's taking them, pulling his arms out of sockets, the nails to drive the nails through his hands. You might as well have been that one. But you know what he said? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This oldest son here, he seemed mad. He seemed angry with what the father had done for the youngest son. But the firstborn of God, the only begotten son of the father, he was not angry with you and I. He knew what he was going to have to do. He come here to pay the price for sin. He knew what it was going to cost. Yet he just sat there and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Flip with me, if you will, to Genesis 37. Genesis 37. I know we're going all over the place tonight. Genesis 37. Genesis 37, verse number uh, <coughs> Genesis 37, verse number 1, the Bible says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And, and he led and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of uh, Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream and told his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. So, if you'll remember, Israel here, and Jacob, Jacob was his earthly name, if you will. Israel was uh, kind of his enemy. Kind of like how Simon, Peter, Israel, Jacob, he loved Joseph. Joseph was his youngest son. He made him a coat of many colors. And his Joseph's brothers hated him for it. They didn't like him because their father loved Joseph more than he did the rest. He made him a coat of many colors. But then you'll find, as we, if you'll go on down through there, you'll find that God takes some deals with Joseph in a dream. And Joseph takes, he tells his brothers about this dream and it made them more angry. You know what they done? They took, they, they essentially, they pushed him in a pit and left him there to die. They went back to the father and told him, back to Israel and told him what they, or what had happened to Joseph, if you will. They didn't tell the story exactly. Like they told the father what had kind of happened to uh, Joseph, how he kind of fell asleep. But Joseph, if, if you'll go on down through there, he gets pulled out. Long story short, to kind of fast forward, Joseph, kind of, he winds up in Egypt. And there's become a famine all over the land, 
all over the country. And the brothers, Jacob takes and he sends Joseph's brothers down to Egypt because um, excuse me, Jacob sends jo or the brothers down to Egypt to get corn. They thought Joseph was dead by this point. But Joseph was down in Egypt. He had the corn. He had all of this. All the food. Jacob sends the brothers down there because this famine all over the land to get food because Egypt was the only place that had food. They get down there and they get this corn from Joseph. They go back to the father and they, they come a few different times and Joseph, eventually they realize that it's their brother Joseph. And Joseph takes and he sends a horse and a buggy and all these goods from Egypt to get the father and to get all that he had out of the land of Canaan and bring it to Egypt where there was food. Bring it to Joseph. Jacob didn't believe at first when the brothers told him that Joseph was alive. But later on, he wound up believing them. He wound up coming down to Egypt. Ain't it funny? I've kind of been doing a study on the, on the children of Israel. just been kind of reading through it. Ain't it funny? Here, they're leaving Canaan. They're going from Canaan. Joseph is kind of taking them from Canaan to Egypt. Once they get in Egypt, as we've seen, as we read a while ago, God's going to bring them out of Egypt and bring them back to Canaan. He's going to bring them back to where they originally come from, out of Egypt. But we see how the older brothers wound up hating the younger brother here, and they tried to kill him because of it. Lastly, go with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Let me just stop right there. This ain't, this is not really part of nothing of this, but you know a big difference between Old and New Testament. Just sitting there thinking about the children of Israel and what all they went through and what all they had to do for to atone for their sins, I guess so to say. You know a big difference between Old and New Testament. Old Testament they had to take and atone for their sin by animal's blood. Now it was still innocent blood. Don't get me wrong. It was still innocent blood that was being shed to pay for their sins. But it was that life was taken. If you'll remember on Calvary's tree, Christ said, no man can take my life. He laid it down. Those animals, their lives was not laid down. They didn't willingly lay down their lives to atone for that sin. Christ laid down His life to pay the sin debt which you and I could not pay. Those animals did not lay it down. You'll look back all the way in the Genesis from the time of the garden when the sin was committed, when God took and made, them, made Adam and Eve those coats of skin. Those animals' lives, whatever they was, they was not given. They was taken. That blood that was had to be shed to put on those doorposts for those firstborn children, it was taken. It was not given. Every animal that you'll see to pay the price for this sin in the Old Testament <coughs> all the way up to Calvary, those animals, their lives was taken. 
it was not given. That's a big difference. Now, there's a lot of differences, I realize, but that's something that kind of hit me one day, and I didn't, I didn't realize it, but those animals' lives, they was taken. He gave his life. It's what he came here to do. He paid the price. He willingly gave his life. If you took an animal could understand you and you told it that it was going to pay for a sin debt, it would take off running. If you'll remember that ram caught in the thicket by his hand when Abraham took his son to kill it on that altar that time, that, that ram, God had to put it in a thicket by its horns. He had to catch it because that ram would have ran off. It wasn't willingly going to just walk up there to that altar to Abraham and let Abraham kill it. It was taken. It was innocent blood, but it was taken. It was not given. Christ laid down his life. Yeah. No man could take his life. They could have sat there all day long and beat him and tried their best. No man could take his life. He laid it down. He willingly gave his life to pay a sin debt that you and I could not pay. Yeah. Romans chapter 8, this evening, verse 17, and we'll be done. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. As I said a while ago, we seen in Luke chapter number 15 how that eldest son, he took and he got mad at the, at the father for the youngest son. And you'll see the father, what the father tells that oldest son. All that I have is thine. Everything I've got is yours. It's just meat that we're giving to this youngest son. It's just a meal. It's just meat. All that I have is thine. All, can I say this? Everything that is God's is given to Jesus. Everything is Jesus. We're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. We're made even with Christ. You know what God sees when he looks at you and me this evening? He doesn't see if you're saved. Let me add that in there. If you're saved. He doesn't see a sinner. He doesn't see your sin. He looks at you and he sees Christ. He sees the shed blood at Calvary. He sees the blood. He sees a son. He doesn't see a sinner sitting there because your sins have been paid for in full. They've been washed away. Past, present, and future. They're gone. As far as the east is from the west. They're gone. I heard it said one time it was it was I don't even know what to say the preacher was to be honest with you. But I heard it said one time from a preacher. He said that east and that west that's like saying God took and put us to the west and took our sin and put it to the east and put himself right in the middle. I've got a problem with that. See, our earth, this is very simple. Okay? And it sounds so simple it almost sounds dumb. But our earth is round, right? If I was to take and go west one way and you was to take and send a person east, we would run into each other on the other side of the world, right? You can't separate us east and the sin west. 
It'll run right back into each other. It's gone as far as the east is from the west. It's never to be brought back up. It's never to be seen again. It's not us on one side and our sin on the other. It is completely gone. Washed away. It is gone this evening. God loved you so much. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, whosoever, whosoever believes him should not perish but have everlasting life. Get King come to the piano this evening. I know it's different this evening and it's been more so just kind of a little study looking